0: I am Sarah-Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hi friends, happy Tuesday. I hope your day is treating you well. Today I am talking through what triggers each Enneagram type, as well as some tips and questions to ask around our triggered state. But first, today's rosebud and thorn. My rosebud and thorn today are all kind of enmeshed in the same thing. Essentially, I am recording this on the anniversary of my dad's death, one year later and that's a really heavy day for me so that's an obvious thorn like this is just not a day anyone wants to have but I have like a rose in it because I have a flexible schedule. I've done a lot of work around releasing expectations for myself on days like this and so I feel the freedom to spend a significant amount of today just nurturing myself and that's my bud as well is I have like an evening planned for just taking care of myself. Our little is at his mom's, my husband is at work, and so I have this time to really think about what would feel comforting, what would feel nurturing, and putting all of the expectations of like having a perfect, productive, busy day just out the window. I have therapy scheduled today. I have plenty of time to just think about myself and how I'm feeling and tending to that. So very grateful for that and looking forward to that part of the day. All right, let's get into today's episode. One of the hardest parts of personal growth, in my opinion, is how to handle ourselves when we are triggered. It's all fine and good and easy when we're dealing with the here and now, But what do we do when our bodies are telling us we should be freaking out? I can't tell you how many times I've reacted from a place of being triggered only to feel like I took 30 steps back in my personal growth journey. You think you're actualized until someone pisses you off, right? Now, in order to have this conversation, we need to define what triggered means. So this is kind of my very rough definition. Triggered essentially means having an intense emotional reaction to a situation that seemingly doesn't warrant it because it reminds you of something that has been traumatic for you in the past. Essentially, your emotional response is larger than the situation seems to need because at one point something hurt you that is this particular situation is reminding you of. A few ways that you can tell that you've been triggered. Maybe you get angry or irritable. Maybe you're bothered by small things. Maybe you have sensory sensitivity. Maybe you feel like it's really easy to be overstimulated. Maybe big noises are upsetting to you. Maybe you have like bodily sensations that are bothering you, like being touched or having tags on your clothing. Maybe you have like sudden anger that just kind of bursts out. Maybe for you triggered looks like a mood change, a sudden change in mood, more changes than usual, a low mood, feeling really blue, intense sadness or grief. Maybe you get into a state of hypomania, seeking disruption, novelty or change. Maybe you might feel hopelessness, feeling or belief that future is doomed in some way. Maybe you have thoughts or feelings of worthlessness. Another way to tell that you're triggered, another way this shows up is disassociation. Like the mind is removed from the body. Maybe you feel foggy, blurry, floaty. Maybe you feel confused or maybe you find yourself forgetting things or becoming a little bit more distracted. Maybe you have a disconnection from time and place. Maybe you don't recognize yourself in the mirror. You have a hard time recognizing where you're at in your life. Maybe you don't notice or you're slow to notice bodily cues for hunger, thirst, pain. Maybe you're experiencing flashbacks or nightmares or intrusive thoughts. Maybe you escape through daydreaming. Another way that triggers show up is through anxiety, rumination, your mind running over the same worries, memories, interactions, ideas repetitively. Just this general sense that something is wrong. Maybe you start a new project with self-imposed pressure or perfectionism. Maybe you have intrusive thoughts around death or thoughts about rejection. Maybe you are easily startled maybe you over intellectualize when you're triggered focusing on researching understanding without feeling or action maybe you're experiencing fight-or-flight symptoms like heart racing palpitations shortness of breath maybe you have trouble sleeping or maybe you are minimize your trauma like me it's like that wasn't that bad or others have had it worse or is it really trauma these are all ways in which you can Experience your triggers. I know for me, I experience a significant amount of these, and I don't think we're gonna find ourselves into one pocket or another. I think that it's a little more fluid than that, but I just wanted to share these are some signs that maybe you're experiencing a trigger. Now, when we're talking about Enneagram triggers, we aren't necessarily discussing specific types of trauma. More so, we're discussing what things in your life are likely to really just set you off. The things that maybe you are uniquely sensitive to. And I I think this comes from the place of these are the childhood messages, like these things that we received that kind of ingrained in us, implanted in us at a very young age. And so now the adult version of ourselves is really protective and really defensive Around that particular area. Honestly, knowing my triggers helped me almost more than anything else in the Enneagram. It gives you the language to communicate what you need from relationships, how to own when it's something personal to you, and not someone being intentionally rude or offensive. And it gives us a space to recognize that something hurts us and handle it as gracefully as possible. So we're going to go through the major triggers of the Enneagram types in just a moment. But first, I want to share with you a quick breathing exercise that you can do when you are feeling triggered. When that trigger arises and we're having this response, how can we take care of ourselves? Now, this isn't the only tool that you have available to you, but it is a tool that you can use when you need to. And it's my personal favorite when it's available to me. And so I just want to give that to you proactively, as I know there are probably going to be many of you who want some support in terms of, okay, yeah, I'm triggered, but what do I do with that? So the first thing that we can ideally do is go somewhere quiet. So we've been triggered. How can we kind of remove ourselves from the situation, go somewhere to be alone and just find a little bit of quiet. Sometimes that's hard, right? If you're in an argument with a partner That can be hard to do, but you can gracefully, or hopefully you can gracefully say, I love you. I wanna be with you. I need a few moments to calm down and come back and continue our conversation. But in general, go to your car, go outside, go to your room, whatever you need to do. And then there's this practice called square breathing. And that's just you breathe in for four, hold for four, breathe out for four, and hold for four. And what this does is it just regulates your nervous system and it allows you to self-soothe. It allows your nervous system to recognize that it's totally safe, everything's okay. One cool tip that my therapist gave me is that if you're in a situation in which you can't escape, if, if you can't walk away and find a place of quiet, you can still do square breathing and it can be helpful to find an object in the room that is shaped like a square and just trace it with your eyes, kind of going up for pausing over for four, breathing out down for four, and pausing over for four. And I found that really helpful in situations where I'm triggered, but I can't get out of the situation and I need to regulate my nervous system. That has been really meaningful. And then if you're able to, if let's say you've been able to find your space alone, you've done your breathing, you've kind of calmed your body, Then you can do some things to get into the present moment. So I like to do a five senses practice. Just think like what's something I see, smell, taste and hear and feel in this moment right now because it just takes me back into where I am in this moment. And in this moment, I am typically safe, right? So I can just say, okay, right now in this moment, I'm safe and I see a pretty plant in the corner and some flowers in a vase I smell coffee from this morning. I taste coffee from this morning. I hear the buzzing of the refrigerator. I feel a cozy blanket on my lap. And then best case scenario, like ideally, if you can go for a walk, kind of get your body moving. And that kind of not only calms your system, but it also lets you expend a little bit of that energy. So let's say you're angry or you're irritated. You can kind of get some of that out through movement. And then if you have the time and all of this is like a building, do the amount you have for the time you have available, right? So if you can't do anything else, just breathe. If you can take some space and breathe, great. If you can take some space to breathe and get in the present moment, Even better, if you can take some space to breathe, get in a quiet place. In the present moment, take a walk and do this, then that would be like my dream for you. And that's it's not always available, but that's simply to ask yourself the question I'll be sharing with your personal trigger based off of the Enneagram type. So let's get into what triggers your Enneagram type and then the question I recommend for you. So, for type one, major triggers for you are being criticized, the lack of follow through from other people, non collaborative changes to a plan, and any and others. Lack of timeliness. Where this likely comes from, if we think about the childhood wound or the kind of the formation of the type one structure, a lot of times type ones feel like they have to be the adult in in their childhood. They kind of take on more responsibility than they had to at a young age, or they felt like they should at a young age. And so there's almost this sense of like, am I the only adult in the room? when other people aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing, which reminds them of the pain in childhood of being the one who is supposed to be taken care of doing the work of the adults. And also being criticized, you know, ones have a harsh inner critic, right? They're constantly holding themselves up to this really high standard. It's almost like you're being hit by a hammer all day long, and then someone else comes in with a hammer and is like, you could take some more. You know, it's like, whoa, I can't handle this. I'm already being beaten up over here. And so that, I think it's just kind of like you're, you're adding on to something that's already unbearable. Now, for type ones, the question I encourage you to ask yourself when this happens is, how is not feeling like I've done enough making me angry at myself? And what I mean by that is how am I holding myself to such an impossibly high standard that when other people don't hold themselves to that standard or when I feel like it's still not enough for the people around me that my fuse is so short. So where can you lower the expectations for yourself so that there's more room for you to have kind of like spaciousness in your life, And finally, what are the facts of here and now? You know, what with triggers, it's like, this is a lot of story, right? We're saying to ourselves, I'm the only adult in the room. Well, what are the facts? You know, where are other people showing up as adults in this room? Where are other people taking on responsibilities? Let's look at the data so that we're not believing the story that our trigger wants to tell us about the situation. And instead, we are allowing the reality of this moment to be the real moment, instead of the story that we tell ourselves about who we thought we had to be. All right, type two, these are your triggers, (laughs) being taken for granted, not being heard and feeling excluded. And This likely comes from the place of, you know, type twos in childhood learned that love was earned and if they were a helpful person, then people would love them and people would give them the appreciation that they wanted from them, that they would have a place where they belonged. And so if you're constantly over-sacrificing, trying to earn your place, and you still feel excluded, you feel like people don't notice, and you feel like no one's kind of paying attention to you well, then all of that work is for nothing, right? You're like, don't you see how much I'm doing for you? Don't you see how much I'm giving and sacrificing? And when you believe that love is earned through sacrifice, then when you feel like you're being taken for granted, it's like you're not loved, right? Like if it's like, if you're not appreciating the things I'm doing for you, then you don't love me. So a question that you can ask yourself is, Why is appreciation from others important to me right now? Like, what is it that I'm hoping to receive through their thank you? And what are the facts of here and now? I'm going to ask that for every type, just spoiler alert. You know, what are the facts of here and now? What's some evidence that I am loved? What's some evidence that I am wanted, that they do like me? And what's the real thing happening in this moment? What's the data here versus what am I telling myself about the data that I am seeing? Type three triggers being set up for failure, AKA like you're interested, you enter a situation, the, the thing is poorly organized and there's no way that you can succeed under the current circumstances, not looking good, professionally, like looking bad, being blamed for the poor work of others and not receiving credit for their work. And this comes from that little kid in us that learned that you're loved by what you do, by what you achieve, that if you accomplish something, you're going to get the recognition that you're craving from your parents or the people who take care of you, that through gold stars, you find your worth. And so as an adult, that's so much louder now, right? This the sensation of, one, I'm entering into a situation where I can't get my gold star, or maybe someone else made me look bad, so I'm not going to get my gold star, or maybe... Someone else messed up and they're making it look like I was responsible for that, which means that I'm not going to get my credit, you know, kind of all of this sensation of like, I'm working so hard to be the best that I can be. And I need this, right? I need this recognition. It's fueling my ability to feel good about myself. And so when that is at stake, it's like that little kid in you is like reminded of what it felt like to be invisible or to not be worthwhile, so the question to ask yourself is, what is it about appearing successful that is so important to me in this moment? And what are the facts of here and now? What's the data versus the story? Type four triggers, being ignored or slighted, being asked to do something contrary to their values, and an event that elicits the four's envy. Now, one thing we don't talk about with fours enough is this sensation of what significant means to them. Force typically have very high standards, both for themselves, for other people, for the clothes that they wear, for the experiences that they have. There's kind of this very high standard that they expect of things, and they're very easily disappointed in themselves and other people and products and services and politicians when they don't live up to their sensation of like, what is significant, And I think this comes from the place in the little child that learned that there's something bad in them, that they are missing something or that they have to find something significant to make them significant, or that they are the black sheep, this sensation of in order to be safe and love and to not be abandoned. I need to be significant. I need to figure out what makes me significant. I need to share that. People need to appreciate it to the fullest depth of what that means. And I still might not think I'm good. So with that being said, when these things happen, when you feel ignored or slighted, it makes you feel like you're being abandoned. It makes you feel like you're not as significant as you want to be. When you're being asked to do something that's contrary to your values, that's like asking you to be less than significant. And then these events that elicit Forza Envy, it's like these things outside of yourself that you think like, oh, if I could just have that, then I would be whole. I would be who I imagine myself to be. And It can really send that four into their own kind of spiral around looking outside of themselves for answers. Now, the question to ask as a type four is, what is the story I've created about how others are seeing me right now? And what are the facts here and now? Meaning, I think I'm asking everybody to separate the story, but four specifically... Kind of have a narrative in their head around how other people like kind of a negativity bias of how other people experience them they're kind of assuming other people don't like them assuming other people see them as bad and their kind of lesson here is assuming good intent assuming desirability within themselves and With that, the question I want you to ask is like, okay, what happened here? What's the story I'm telling myself about what happened here? Did my partner walk into the room, close the door really hard, and then go change clothes immediately? Or did my partner walk into the room, slam the door because they're so mad at me because I didn't do the laundry and they think I'm a worthless waste of space who never does their chores and they went straight to the bedroom, didn't even look at me, tell me that they loved me and that means that they're like so mad that they can't even like love me in this moment. There's a big difference, right? There's a lot of added narrative to the second version of this story that I just told. Like one is maybe your partner is stressed. Maybe they're tired. Maybe they're a little bit distracted. Maybe they're listening to something on their phone and they just kind of like wanted to go change. Maybe their clothes are uncomfortable and they wanted to take them off really fast. But if you believe the story that you tell yourself about the situation and it has the most negative possible connotation to it, then it's going to make things harder, right? It's going to kind of build... Up in you, this sensation of like, we're in a hostile dynamic. I'm unwanted. I'm at risk of being abandoned. All right, type five triggers. Type fives get triggered by being overwhelmed or surprised, having their private information shared, dishonesty or false information, being prompted for an instant emotional response, meaning like, tell me how you feel about that right now, without time to really think about or process those emotions. That being said, you know, think about the the childhood experience of the type five, which is often that they felt like they were in an invasive dynamic where they didn't have any personal space, where people were in their business, like people, you know, their energy was constantly being taken from them. So they've learned that they had to build a strong defense against someone kind of coming in and taking from them. So type five, the question to ask is, why do I believe I have to do this on my own? Where did that story come from? Which we kind of talked about, but asking yourself that in the moment that you're triggered, you know, feeling like, why do I feel like I have to do this on my own? Why do I feel like I can't let someone in? What do I think they're going to take from me? And then what are the facts of here and now? In reality, maybe I do have five minutes to share, to listen to their problems. Maybe I do have you know, a pretty good grasp on what I want to share in terms of how I'm feeling or maybe them sharing that information about me actually doesn't harm me at all. It's just reminding me of how it felt to not have privacy as a child. Type six triggers. Being under external pressure, another person's lack of genuineness, another person's lack of commitment, and abuse of authority. Now we think about type six, kind of that early childhood, there's, there's this sense of uncertainty, this sense of like, I don't know where it's safe to land. I don't really know what to count on, what to rely on. So I'm looking for some stability. I'm looking for certainty. I'm looking for like, I just want to know what's going to happen and what to expect. So when you're in a situation where you're under external pressure, it can feel like a lot of pressure on the unknown, like. You're guessing what someone wants from you and then they're also putting pressure on like you performing. When people aren't genuine or you don't trust someone, that makes you feel unstable because it's almost like safer to just know where you stand with someone and to feel like you can trust and rely that their word is their word. And then there, you have some sense of certainty and stability in that. And the same thing with another person's lack of commitment. That's reminding you of instability. When someone abuses authority, that undermines your ability to trust your authority, which is something that you craved as a child, is the ability to rely on and trust your authority figures to be predictable or stable or reliable. Now, the question to ask yourself as a six is, what emotion or negative experience am I trying to prevent in this moment? And what are the facts of here and now? Now, are type 7 triggers being confined or restricted, being expected to do boring tasks, being dismissed or not taken seriously, and unjust criticism? So with the type 7, when we think about one of the main mechanisms of type 7 is positive reframing right this okay these bad things happened to me but this good came out of it or i experienced trauma but it didn't really impact me somehow magically even though we know that that's not true the seven kind of structure convinces themselves that that's the case that they have somehow skirted all negative impact of their trauma and if i can run fast enough and i don't have to feel my pain that i'm trying to jump out of And so when we think about these triggers being confined or restricted, then you're being told, like, you have to stay here. You have to be in this moment. You have to feel the truth of all of your feelings. You know, you don't have options to just kind of fix your sadness if you want to. You have to be still. And that's the same thing for boring tasks, right? Kind of like you have to do this boring thing. And you're going to want to escape it, but you can't. Being dismissed or not taken seriously. And, and likely this comes from this the space of sevens have a significant amount of intellect and a significant amount of experience that and a significant amount of depth that gets... It's almost like they don't want... I say they, we, <laughs> don't want people to see that. So we kind of skirt on the surface of joy... And give you this very light version of ourselves, meaning that for a lot of our lives, people have only interacted with this very light, happy, playful version and they don't, it's like almost like no one really sees your depth. And unless you find a way to express that, it's like you're, if you're giving people the lightness all the time, then they only see you as light. Then they start to expect that from you. And then that starts to feel limiting and restricting, and it makes you feel lonely. Like you're unseen in the truth of who you are and trivialized. And so the question to ask yourself as a seven is what discomfort am I trying to avoid by escaping my emotions or my commitments? And what are the facts of here and now? So type eight triggers are being controlled, others not being direct, being blindsided, underestimating their strength and injustice. Now when you think about type eights as children, they most likely experienced a betrayal of some sort that taught them that only the strong survive. And it's a dog eat dog world and they need to power up and protect themselves and others. And so a lot of these sensations being controlled, not people not being direct, being surprised or blindsided by something, someone underestimating their strength, the injustice of the world, these are all reminders of what it felt like to be a weak little kid without defenses and having been hurt at this early age in some way. So the question to ask is what vulnerability do I feel when I'm not getting my way? And what are the facts of here and now? And finally, our type 9 triggers being in conflict, receiving too many demands, any rudeness in others, feeling taken advantage of, and not feeling connected. Now, when we think about our type 9, the like kind of message that our type 9 children received is it's better if you are invisible. We are better off if like you can make yourself as unobtrusive as possible. It will guarantee that we want to be around you. And that you will still be invited into this place. You will earn your place by being as invisible as possible. So the idea of being in conflict means that you're at risk of loss. When people need too much from you, it feels like you know, you're know you not going to have the peace that you need. When people are rude to other people, it goes against everything in your being, right? Everything that you've built your life around, it's goes against that. When you feel taken advantage of, it's kind of like this kind of pro- likely a repeated pattern in your life where you've made your needs so invisible that other people don't realize you even have needs. So they keep asking of you, keep asking of you, you keep saying yes, it keeps feeding them the beast. And you've created a cycle to the point where there's, there's an inevitable breaking point. There's only so much that you can do that. Eventually there becomes a time where that feels like a trigger. It feels like whoa, I've been here before and I didn't like it and I don't like this right now. And the feeling of not being connected, feeling like people aren't seeing you, people are missing you, you're not heard, you're being interrupted, maybe you're being cut off, maybe someone is kind of trivializing you or only seeing you for like this like sliver of what you're showing them and it makes you feel unknown. Now the question to ask is, can I see the disruptions I create by avoiding standing up for myself? Meaning potentially as a nine, when you minimize your presence, when you minimize your preferences, when you don't show people the wholeness of who you are and what you want, that there might be connections that are severed because of that, or you might find yourself in these situations because of how little you're sharing of who you are, but also What are the facts of here and now? What's the data versus the story you're telling yourself about the data? All right, friends, I hope this is helpful. If you find yourself noticing some triggered sensations, that you'll have some tools in your tool belt to handle them as we move forward. And as a reminder, the newsletter is coming out soon. Make sure you're subscribed at clubenneagram.com. We'll be sending new newsletters out every single Monday with all kinds of fun, loving, and uplifting goodies because the internet is kind of dark enough and we're here to spread some light. As always, it's an absolute joy to share this content with you and I will see you tomorrow for the next episode.